from St. Louis Public Radio. This is St. Louis on the Air. I'm Sarah Fenske. A new pilot program just getting organized at Bi-State Development aims to improve safety on its buses and trains, even as it reaches people where they are with much-needed services. The new program is a partnership with Chestnut Health Systems, and it will place social workers on Metrolink and Metrobus vehicles. And joining us today with more is Talby Roach. He's the CEO of Bi-State Development. Talby, welcome back. Good morning, Sarah. Good to be here. And we're also joined today by Dave Sharar. He's the CEO of Chestnut Health Systems. Dave, welcome. Glad to join the conversation, Sarah. So, Talby, help us understand the impetus for all this. What made you think it would be a, an important thing and a good thing to put social workers on these buses and trains? Well, of course, what we're always trying to do is increase safety and security on our system. So not really make it safe, but even go further and make it comfortable and provide an environment where the riding public is served. And, you know, one of the aspects that is always challenging in safety and security is also dealing with the needs of the community, whether it be in the mental health field or anything of that nature. And certainly that's relevant to transit. And so one of the things that we developed here, and, and actually I need to credit St. Clair County. They're, they're the first out of the box in this pilot. And um, we're moving forward with getting these resources on transit so that our community can be served. And this is a great partnership. I'm very excited to announce it. So Dave, um, Talby mentioned that this is already in the works um, in the St. Clair County Transit District in Illinois, and it's actually your company that is doing the work there as well. Tell us how this works and, and how long you've been involved with that. We've been involved, uh, Sarah, for about six months when we were approached by the uh, St. Clair County transit um, with what is really uh, an innovative uh, and very progressive uh, idea uh, to deal with some of the issues with riders who might be homeless or have uh, symptoms of mental illness or substance use disorder or other distress conditions. So we've been at it for about six months now. And so your social workers are there just kind of riding, waiting for these people to get on or, or waiting for them to initiate a conversation? How does that work? Yeah, the idea is um, to really move, move away from what historically might have been more of a policing or code enforcement response to a uh, humane offer of assistance and having a a sensitive conversation with individuals who might be in, in distress and trying to engage them and motivate them to, to do something different and most importantly uh, to actually link them uh, and connect them to services that could, that could help with their you know, misfortune. And is that happening, Dave, even as these buses are, are driving and these trains are rolling? It is indeed. Uh, we're, we're collecting um, some data on how this is going, and uh, it's, it's really quite interesting. Uh, in the past six months, April to September, um, our social workers and counselors have approached and engaged uh, about 681 riders. 
uh, and had conversations and assessed their situation and then tried to figure out what their need, most pressing needs were. So out of the 681, um, we've actually directly intervened with 80, uh, where we have connected them with really needed, a variety of needed services. It could be, uh, for example, a non-hospital crisis uh, residential detox unit or a um, or a shelter or uh, primary care for the medically underserved and a whole variety of, of social and human services um, is really really our goal, not to just refer them and w- hand them a card and wish them well, but to really connect them and link them and make sure they're engaged with a provider. Yeah, I mean, Dave, when you talk about connecting people, this seems like something where it might be simple if you're dealing with an affluent population. You know, here's, here's a website. You can look this up on your smartphone. But how do you go about connecting people who are really struggling um, to begin with? Well, well, our workers are really skilled at developing rapport and uh, having brief conversations and uh, and then offering up, you know, some potential resources and solutions. And there's really a pragmatic ex- aspect to this, Sarah, where uh, we have to look at how the transportation issue, for example. So the the train may stop and how do we... Uh, have a vehicle, uh, whether it be Uber or a, a van supplied by by St. Clair County, uh, and drive them to a facility uh, or a shelter, um, or how to figure out, most importantly, their housing situation. Many of these individuals have unstable housing. Mm. Some are actually homeless. And how can we get them in the pipeline for some, for some housing issues? And uh, and so we've figured this out, really, with, with St. Clair County and, and their ingenuity. Well, that's, that's great to hear. It sounds like they're being very proactive, the idea of actually getting somebody directly to a facility where they could get help. This goes, this goes above and beyond what people might have envisioned here. Um, Toby, how do you see this working in the bigger system here that Bi-State has? St. Clair County Transit, um, 681 people alone there. It's, it's kind of staggering to think of all the needs that might be encountered in the greater St. Louis system. Yeah, that's absolutely right. And so, you know, remember, one of the keys about transit is that, you know, we cover almost 550 square miles with all types of riders, you know, all types of income, all kinds of socioeconomic backgrounds, and all of those ultimately are our customers. And we need to think of what are the services that we are we are providing for those customers. Look, we, we have to look at this as that policing is not always the solution to every problem, right? Mm-hmm. We need to think of what are the needs of the community? And what we're trying to do is create a layered security plan that has this element that is addressing the very real needs of folks on our system. And when we address those uh, needs on our system, both in Illinois and Missouri, and of course this is expansion of that Illinois program into Missouri now, where we are being aggressive about uh, fulfilling the needs of our community in a compassionate and reasonable way. I imagine this is something that the operators of these buses and trains, this might take a load off of um, what they're dealing with. Is, is this something they've welcomed? No, no question. Certainly, remember, our operators have been working all through the pandemic, still showing up, still moving, moving St. Louis. And, and let me tell you, those are the heroes, I think, that should be mentioned at every turn. 
But we need to give not only them, but also our police partners the support. One of, one of the most uh, thrilled uh, parts of our community who is, is excited about this program are our police partners because it gives them another, instead of always policing these issues, now we're thinking of a way to compassionately deal with folks and get them the services they, that they need, where we have appropriate behavior on our um, assets, whether they be bus or train, and, and deal with this in a reasonable and compassionate way. We, we want to serve our community. Ultimately, we are in public service, and this is a way of pursuing that to the, to the very highest degree. So, Toby, you mentioned these uh, security workers who are part of this system. I understand they're also going to receive some training as a part of mm-hmm. this, um, as part of this same pilot program. How is that going to work? Yeah, so, of course... Look, um, training uh, not only our contract security, but of course our police partners with um, St. Clair County Sheriff's Department, with the city of St. Louis and St. Louis County. The real way to move into a community and create an environment where policing is reasonable and friendly is also to provide the extra training that is necessary in dealing with all types of individuals. And of course, uh, look, it Sometimes we have issues with mental health uh, problems or substance abuse that will show up on our system. And the, and the question is how to deal with them appropriately so that essentially all of those issues are de-escalated and we are, we're dealing with people at an appropriate level, essentially where we're meeting people where their needs are meeting them where their needs are, whether that be substance abuse or, or mental health, but also then moving that so that it is an environment that still is safe and effective and, and, and really responds to the needs of all of the riders. So this pilot program involves just two teams of two social workers each. That's not a large number of people in light of how many miles of track we're talking about here and how many miles on the streets. Dave, how are you going to decide where to place these people or um, you know, how, to, how to mobilize them into action on any given day? Well, you know, Sarah, that's probably a question for Talby and his staff to figure out those logistics, but uh, they have the capability of determining where to best place them at what times. And we also have PRN workers kind of in the background in case one of our full-time staff needs a day off from this. As you can appreciate, this is extraordinarily difficult work and uh, requires a very special person to ride trains all day long and and identify someone in need of help. So, Talby, is the idea that you'd be sort of changing where people are stationed on on any given day, this will be flexible? Yeah, there is some flexibility that's built into the system. And there is a little bit of a distinction behind what we plan to do in general with Illinois and Missouri. Right now, the Illinois uh, pilot has much more activity actually on the train, a lot of all-day riding on the train. In Missouri, uh, uh, we're actually concentrating the uh, resources at Civic Center in the city and then at the Hanley Road um, station out in the county. And the reason for that is that those are major transfer stations for our buses. So it means that those are just better and easier access points for all modes of our transit. Because we can't forget the bus aspect of the system. This is, yes, Metrolink certainly gets a lot of the attention, but Mm -hmm. we also have to dedicate to the very important 
mode of rubber tires and uh, is the bus system being um, being covered so of course on it on the initial um, uh, rollout of this system we'll be looking at uh, concentrating those resources there so uh, we let our listeners know we were going to be talking about this today on our St. Louis on the Air Facebook page. Patricia writes, I've been riding Metro for 30 plus years, and I have seen more than a few people who could use this service. Hopefully they're receptive to it. Dave, you've noted that it could take multiple interactions and continued encouragement for people to be open to this service. How so? Well, if, for sure, Sarah. I mean, there there are people who for whatever reason, are unwilling to accept help in that particular moment. And uh, that requires somebody who knows who has a lot of patience and is sensitive and empathetic. And maybe the next day they see that same person, they reapproach them. Mm-hmm. And until we're asked to, to not do that um, respectfully, we will you know, continue to do our best to try to um, both identify and really engage um, those individuals to to make a change and do something and and get some help. I mean, we're really aware that um, that what tr- what the transit system is doing here is extraordinary and highly innovative. But but transit cannot solve these underlying problems. It requires a huge collaborative effort of healthcare and social service providers working together and making sure there's capacity in that system to accept these referrals when people are ready to accept that help and not be put on waiting lists, for example, mm-hmm. or, uh, you know, when, when, when that moment in time occurs, it's, it's a golden moment and we need to take advantage of it. And that is why we figured out the transportation dynamic and how to link somebody, for example, to a detox unit when they're, Um, under the influence, and then figuring out how to get them treatment. So this all seems so promising. Tolby, what's the timeline of when you'll actually have these workers in place? So, of course, there is just the fundamental training and, and of course, our, our... our partners being sure to hire those individuals. So we we are looking that at the first part of the year we'll be ready for for to actually see people on the system. So really in January of 22 is likely when uh, the program will be set. The the money has been set aside and the contracts have been signed. So all of those logistical aspects are there. Now we just simply need to, of course get the folks uh, hired and, and, and have Chestnut do, do their work and get everybody ready and get them on the system. Well, we're looking forward to hearing how that goes. And, Toby, in our final minutes here, I just have to ask about one other thing. Um, you've said you don't want to talk about the loop trolley today. I understand that. I kind of don't want to talk about the loop trolley today either. Um, that proposal to get additional federal funds if Bi-State took it over, that was rejected by the East-West Gateway Council of Governments this morning. Um, and you had said you support this because you didn't want to see the region default on past uh, federal grants for the trolley, that you were worried this would harm future transit projects. But it's interesting, there's been so much coverage of this novelty project. And even as yesterday, you had to announce some significant service changes for this coming month. You've cited an operator shortage with that. Where do things stand in terms of some of these cuts that we're seeing in November? Are you hopeful that this is just going to be a one-month thing? Yes. So we are that there are really two unrelated issues. 
really what it, we are struggling for employees, just like a lot of other companies uh, around uh, around not only the state but the whole and in the in the United States. Mm-hmm. We need employees, and so we we fundamentally have an employee shortage that we are dealing with. And, and, of course, I think you may have seen, we have announced that we are providing a $2,000 bonus for new employees. And, boy, I sure could use some dedicated employees for good, uh, well-paying jobs to run our buses and trains. And we're dedicated to that. And so we're hoping to limit that. And, and so, of course, the other side is we, we are making some service. Um, reductions so that the public can expect when their bus says it's going to show up that it does show up. Um, what we really want to avoid is any missed trips. You know, that's that's very inconvenient for the public, and we've asked them to be patient with that as we're going through this employment shortage. We're working our butts off on it. We're trying to do everything we can, including, for instance, do the bonuses, um, and we're going to continue to do that. So these new reductions, this is a reduction of another 10% in November, and that's mm-hmm. overall um, a 15% decrease since June of 2021. Are you worried with these kind of cuts it's just becoming untenable for people to rely on buses, that you might be driving people away? from public transit? Well, we certainly don't want to make it untenable. And and what makes it untenable is when you don't make the schedule. So quite frankly, we've had to make some of the hard decisions to figure out how can we uh, be sure to be as reliable as possible. Um, And unfortunately, we have been hit by the pandemic and by the employment crisis just like anybody else. We have been extremely aggressive. Um, I'm very proud to say that, for instance, our incentive programs associated with uh, pandemic and with, uh, for instance, getting vaccinated are unlike any other in the region. We're, we're one of the best uh, companies as far as those incentives are concerned. And we're going to continue that because our folks are working hard and they deserve to be paid. So we're trying to enhance and essentially make that job as, quote, sticky as possible so that it is a good middle class living that people can raise their families on. And we're doing that. Uh, But we need to continue to push that envelope and do the best we can. And unfortunately, some of that means that we've had to make some adjustments to our service level so that folks can rely on our service. Well, we appreciate that update. And we hope that um, next time we talk about this issue, that this will be about a restoration of service. I know you you feel the same way. So, Talby Roach, thank you for joining us today. Thank you, Sarah. Sure appreciate the time. Uh, Talby is the president and CEO of Bi-State Development, and Dave Sharar, uh, CEO of Chestnut Health Systems. Thank you for joining us. Thank you. This episode was produced by Evie Hemphill, with audio engineering by Aaron Dorr and production assistance from Jane Mather Glass. This podcast was mixed and edited by Aaron. Our executive producer is Alex Hoyer. St. Louis on the Air is a production of St. Louis Public Radio. Understanding starts here. If you learned something new from today's episode, consider leaving us a review and rating on Apple Podcasts on the App Store. It's the easiest way to help people discover our show. We appreciate it. Thank you. St. Louis Public Radio is a member-supported service of the University of Missouri-St. Louis.
Support comes from the Missouri Forest Products Association, committed to conservation and careful management of the state's forests to make them more resilient and better habitats for wildlife. Choosewood.com.